0: Our spiritual theme for the month of February is trust. And trust weaves through every part of our service this morning. It is in how you have trusted me and I have trusted you and how we trust one another to honor our covenant, our covenant and our mission. Not only with one another, but with the world in which we live. This morning, as we worship together, I'm going to invite you to move even more deeply, if you are willing, into a space of trust. I want you to remember to trust that we have the tools and the experience and the courage to make a difference. Indeed, my beloved, we have already made a difference. I want you to trust that we can move through all of this together, whether we exactly 100% carry the same opinion about all of these issues or not. It has been often said in our tradition, we need not think alike to love alike. I want you to trust in that and remember that this morning. I'm going to invite you to let your soul expand and to trust that there is a bigger story that can hold all of us. Trust that beyond the answers you already have, beyond the questions you have already explored, that there is a space where we can dream together. That's what happens when we choose love. I'm going to invite us into the spirit of worship this morning with A sonnet, a double sonnet by the poet Alberto Rios. This is called The Border. The border is a line that birds cannot see. The border is a beautiful piece of paper folded carelessly in half. The border is where flint first met steel. Starting a century of fires. The border is a belt that is too tight, holding things up, but making it hard to breathe. The border says stop to the wind, but the wind speaks another language and keeps on going. The border is a brand, the double X of barbed wire scarred into the skin of so many. The border has always been a welcome stopping place, but is now a stop sign, always red. It is a real crack in an imaginary dam. It used to be an actual place, but now it is the act of a thousand imaginations. The border is no-no, the clown, who can't make anyone laugh. The border is a locked door that has been promoted. The border is a place of plans constantly broken and repaired and broken. It is mighty, but even the parting of the seas created a path, not a barrier. I could see this woman out of the corner of my eye. She was middle aged, kind of moving closer and closer there we were it was about seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning under the most amazingly blue skies it would climb up to 75 degrees not too long from that point which I will tell you I miss that right now all of us who were as part of the legal teams for Al Otro Lado we were in a place called the Plaza El Chaparral the Plaza El Chaparral is right at the exit of one of the two border crossings in Tijuana and and you should know that Tijuana is the busiest border crossing in the United States the Plaza El Chaparral is where all the action happens this is annoying right? Sorry, guys, I'm just going to take it off. Is this, is this turned on? Okay, good. Sorry about this. So the Plaza Chaparral is where all the heavy action happens with immigrants who are seeking, hoping that one day they'll be able to seek asylum in the United States. And I'll talk, talk more about that process this afternoon when we, when we gather for, for our presentation. Those of us from al otro lado were gathering and meeting and trying to talk with people. And I would say, just like I say to you on Sunday morning, I would say, buenos dias. <laughs> buenos dias, yo soy la reverenda Maria McCabe. I work with a group called Al Otro Lado, which means on the other side. And we are here to provide absolutely 100% free legal support for anyone who is seeking asylum in the United States. Tell me, how is it for you? As the conversations would develop, most of the time, what I would find is that people needed to share their stories. And generally in the morning, there'd be, I don't know, a few hundred people in this giant in this giant blast. I'll, again, I'll tell you more about the process later. On this particular day, I was speaking with a woman and her daughter. They had been unwilling to speak with me the day before because they were really afraid. I also looked really sad. But on this day, they had questions they hoped I would be able to answer, so we were talking. I'm so sad, she said to me. She'd made friends with people who walked those hundreds of miles with her, and the day before, those friends had been taken by the Border Patrol, and she knew the chances were she'd never see them again. And as she began to ask me questions, this woman, other woman, came closer and closer. And I could tell that her hands, and in fact her whole body, was shaking. And finally she came close enough and said, Is it it okay? Is it okay if I listen? I don't know what I'm going to do. Of course, we welcomed her. I introduced myself. How is it for you? Have you received your number? Have you gotten on the list? So she began to tell me her story. She had arrived home one evening to find her husband murdered and her two daughters, pre-adolescent daughters, missing. She said to me, "I, I ran, I ran. I didn't even, she was angry at herself, I didn't even stop to get all my documents, I didn't stop to get food, I didn't stop to get anything except my daughter's birth certificates. And I just ran but they caught me. They did, they caught her, they tied her up, and they took her up into the mountains and explained to her in some detail what they were going to do to her. She says, but they were stupid and young, and they decided to start drinking. She said, I was able to get a rock, a really sharp rock, and I just cut and cut and cut at my ropes. And I was able to get away. And I've been running. I've been running all night and trying to hide during the day. And now I'm here, and I I have a cousin who lives here, and he's trying to help me. And then she stopped, and then she looked at me, and she had got this smile on her face. She said, he thinks my daughters are safe in the United States. He doesn't know where they are, but he's heard from them that they're safe. She said, I don't care. They can do anything to me. They can do anything to me as long as I know that my children are safe. I don't care what happens to me. And then she said, do you think... They'll let me go be with my daughters. The truth is, dear ones, the truth is that that probably won't happen. I'm not an attorney, and I made it really clear to everyone that I'm not qualified to give legal advice. I'm qualified to listen, to give pastoral care, and to be witness I encouraged her to come to the free, you know, uh, charla, the, the talk that is given every day. Al I said, there's a free meal. Often that's the only meal migrants and their families are able to have on any given day. I said, come. We have attorneys and law students who have worked their whole lives to help immigrants and they will explain to you what you need to know. The truth is those teams we did, I was so grateful to be able to be an interpreter for many of these, uh, of these interviews. And we told people point blank when it was appropriate, we're really sorry. But given the way asylum regulations have now been tighter and tighter and tighter, the chances are you don't have a good claim. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know if she made it across the border. I don't know if she was able to make an asylum claim. Even if she did that, I don't know if she was brought back because the new policy is to bring asylum seekers back into Mexico. I don't know if she survived that long. You see, as she told me, they don't like it when somebody gets away. So I know they're trying to find me. And they, they might find me here. I did not speak to a single person in the week that I was able to do ministry at the border. I did not speak to a single person who did not fear for their life or to a single family. More often than not, people were trembling because the fact of the matter is the trauma that is involved in so many, all of the stories I I heard is brutal. There was one group, most of the folks were from Central America or Mexico, many from Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, and Honduras, countries that have been devastated for, by many things, including our own policies. But there was a group of of uh, men from Nicaragua. There were also, by the way, lots of people from Africa, different nations in Africa, from Haiti, people who had been traveling since the earthquake through Brazil, up through from South America, there were many Russians as well. Our group was told, and I, I can't confirm this, this is the information we were given, that Russians were receiving preferential treatment. I don't know if that's true. You know, it's not confirmed by legal observers. There are people from everywhere seeking this precious gift. But the group from Nicaragua, <laughs> I shouldn't smile, it was bad five or six of them traveling together. One little bit older gentleman and the rest very young. And he took the lead in talking with me. Pastora, pastor. Hand. Hugs all around. I've still got a bullet in me. It's right here. They could take all the other bullets out, but they couldn't take this one. And he showed me pictures. People, we need most of all to be heard to be witnessed so this one's still in here but but you know i'm okay i'm okay but do you know our government is killing us just for protesting well that is the case about 500 so far killed by the nicaraguan government and they're still chasing us they're still chasing us but if we get to the United States and they tell us they're gonna send us home, we're gonna say, no, you shoot us right now. We will die before we go back. I I believed him, I believed that's what he wanted. I'm asking you to listen even though I know that this is hard it is hard to know that this is happening under brilliant blue skies. I'm asking you to hear this because I want you to know, I want you to really know and to trust that what, when you said go, Reverend Maria, go, you made a difference, that I was useful, that I held people, that I listened to people, that I blessed people, that I prayed with people. I did ten weddings. I'll tell you more about that later. And every time, I wore this as a scarf, the whole time, but I would show people the messages from this congregation. And I would say, no matter who you are or who you love, you are a child of the sacred. And there are many people, many people who want you to have The lives you dream about for you and your families. That's you, politics aside. We are all from stardust. I'd like to share some of the words from a poem uh, entitled Redacted from a Know Your Rights training agenda. Know Your Rights are trainings that are provided all around the country to migrants so that they might know, especially if they're undocumented, what their rights are. This is by Cynthia Dewi Oka. That a potholed street in the middling borough of Collingswood, New Jersey, bears the name Atlantic after an all-consuming body of water. That after the fall of the gods, half of the heavens is darkness. That instead, that inside of the car speeding down the street, I believe I am safe from being halved. That I am not a white box, but a body of water. That white is a pattern of boys who expect to live long enough to become men. That some of these boys are whistling by on their bikes and behind them clear as a dream welcome candles in the windows are framed by spring blooms that welcome means i thought i was not afraid of the dark since the fluorescent grid of the factory and the vista of small bones in my father's collar well i was Interpreting for the 20-something-year-old white citizen. Tell your dad he can quit or I can fire him. Grief had already burst its cocoon. It ate him like an army of moths from the inside. That brown men and women kept stitching jackets under the heavens of the machines welcome. There is so much room for our faith in all of this, in all of this that you shared this morning in your candles of sharing or that you were thinking while we were sharing, that you gave thanks for, or that you asked for, pray, for prayers. Dear ones, there are thousands upon thousands of people of faith dedicating their lives to compassion and justice for immigrants. Feeding them, clothing them as you are. Harboring them, offering them sponsorship, protecting them from the criminals and the authorities who prey on them. Because of their faith, villagers go to the place where the trains roar through their villages with migrants clutching for their dear lives on top and they throw food up and they say blessings. Food that they themselves really can't spare. People of faith run shelters They put water in the desert for thirsty migrants, even though they risk and do get arrested for doing this work. People of faith, we advocate at the state and federal level for a just and fair immigration system. You see, you may know this. The group of people who most often overstay their visa are Canadians. why aren't we building a wall? Now it happens to be true that some of my best friend are, friends are Canadians. My dear, dear friend uh, David Doubledam was here a few weeks ago, and uh, he told me how wonderful it was to be here and how warmly all of you welcomed him. So thank you for that. He couldn't wait to share it with me. And even though he can be pretty scary, we're not building a wall. We are of many faiths in this, in this work, and I'm not saying to you that the only people involved are people of faith, but it is, it is the majority, and it has been for many, many years. So on my first morning at Al Otro Lado, in my first briefing, as it turned out, who knew there was a large contingent of folks from the University of Pennsylvania <laughs> Law School. I'm like, Philly's in the house. <laughs> I had to go to Tijuana to meet these people, right? <laughs> um, that was funny. People from Stanford, people from, from all over the country. So at my first briefing meeting, our, our leader, one of our leaders, Luis, said, We have a minister. Let's start the wedding project back up. All right, <laughs> that's me, the wedding project, <laughs> and everybody laughed. Yeah, we're we'll starting the wedding project. So there are two key things involved in this. One is a legal strategy, and the reason for it is because if there's certain kinds of documentation, it makes it really difficult for our border patrol to separate families. Many of us learned about the family separation uh, policy a year ago, but it's been going on for much longer than that. And we have 15,000 migrant children in detention, and the number is going up. So with a piece of paper, I told you about the woman I met earlier this morning who had no documents. So many, many of these folks come in desperate fear without documentation. And many have been living in common law marriages for, for many years and have made families. So the weddings, on the one hand, were, were part of a, a sort of ratification of, of the family and the love that they had already made with one another. And on the other hand, I know I said this to you in one of my messages, it was this incredible space within 12, 14, 16 hour days of dealing with everything that is worst about humanity. It was this space where love wins. It was a space to celebrate the love that brings families together, the love and the trust that enables us to bring children into the world, the love that brings a mother with seven children, one an infant, to come to the border because she'll do anything So there was, again, I'll tell you more this afternoon, but there was a whole process and a legal process. And then towards the end of the day, the couples would come up to the top floor, the fourth floor, which was a terrace in the afternoon sun and their colored flags decorating. And I'd give the brides roses. And we had wedding rings. The kind that you have to, you know, tighten shut. We had chocolates, only the best, Ferrero Rocher. (laughs) Purchased fresh every day. One of our volunteers was so moved that she went out and made a bridal veil for the brides. I'll show a picture, picture later for the brides to wear. And in that moment as many volunteers as could would come upstairs because what I understood and what I had no way to imagine was how important this celebration of faith and hope and love was for everybody. So folks who had spent all day telling people, you do not have an asylum claim, could come upstairs and honor these couples and their children who were re pledging themselves to one another. And in every ceremony I would look at them and I would welcome them. And then I would say to them, I want you to meet in en in Los Ojos. Look at one another. Look 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 eye to eye. Recuerden este momento. Remember this moment. Remember this moment, no matter what happens. The sacred spirit of love that I call God is with you now and will be with you always. As a Unitarian Universalist ministry called by you, I didn't have to put them through a six-week catechism class I did not have to tell them you have sinned I'm not casting aspersions please know this what I'm saying to you is that there is a special gift of faith there is a special gift that because I am connected to every one of you and every one of you is connected to every other human being on this planet. That we know we are all stardust. And we can be with one another without those barriers. There is a place for faith. I'll tell you a quick story because I know we're running over, so just, you know, Get mad at me later. One of the volunteers was a man about my age, and as soon as he met me and found out I was a minister, he gave me the talk. This is what the talk is at my age and in my job. Religion is for idiots. All right. You know, religion is responsible for all the death and murder that has ever happened on the planet. Okay. Okay. You'll be happy to know I usually don't argue, because as much as I love arguing, I'd be arguing, like, my whole life. And I understand why people are angry at religion. But on the last day I was there, I had four weddings planned. And he asked me, would you like me to buy the flowers today? I said, oh, man, that would be great. He bought the most beautiful bunch of roses. And then for the very last wedding, he came upstairs. He stood in a corner. I like pretended he wasn't there, because, you know, deer in the headlights, right? <laughs> he cried. And he had the courage to come up to me afterwards and say, that was so beautiful. He said, I know you really meant that. And I know that really meant something. That meant something. I want to take just a moment or two to tell you from the bottom of my heart that as I stand in front of you today, I am filled with hope. As I carry the stories that I will never forget, I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with hope by your faces. I'm filled with hope that we are all here sharing this together. I'm filled with hope by the fact that fully two-thirds of the volunteers were in their 20s. Some of them who had saved up money for a year or two years so that they could take months from their lives and come to Tijuana on behalf of the most marginalized, the most vilified people right now in our, in our universe, in our United States universe. Young people, people from all over the country I'm filled with hope by the confidence and the competence and the grit and the courage of these lawyers who work day in and day out and whose eyes fill with tears, men and women alike, fill with tears at every story of family separation that they deal with and still, every day they're back. Every day they're back. Dear ones, As often as I say it, and as often as you may wanna roll your eyes when I say it, we are the love people. We are the people who affirm life. We are the people who believe that evil will not prevail. Not if we have anything to do about it. We may not change this in our lifetime, we may not change it tomorrow. But we are fueled by our values. We are fueled by compassion. And we are fueled by love. And even in the midst of horror, love wins. Ashe, amen, and blessed be. I invite you to go in blessing from this place. I invite you to keep your hearts open. I invite you to be ready for the story that will hold us all in love. Amen.